Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Wayne Lou, speaking to you after Toronto Raptors. Just run out of gas. Um, pretty competitive game, a really fun game to watch, actually. Uh, a hotly contested between the Toronto Raptors and the Indiana Pacers. But the Raptors lose in the end 122 to 114. Um, you know, it's always interesting when these two teams play because stylistically they're very different. Um, the Raptors are a team that basically throws all forwards out at you. And then, um, you know, the, the Pacers are a very different approach, right? You got the Raptors as all forwards, Pacers as all guards. And they're they're tough to, to play against. I mean, first off, we've seen the results throughout the course of the season. The Pacers are not some sort of like, oh, they won a bunch of games recently and now they're sort of, you know, jetting up the charts. I mean, they, they are on a win streak. But the Pacers have consistently been uh, one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference and one of the biggest surprises of the season because of the fact that they have such quality guard play like it's it's actually when you watch that team versus when you watch the Raptors the biggest takeaway is just man how many guards in other team play better than Fred for example right and and listen this is not the single of Fred because you know I thought he did some good things defensively but let's be honest three of 15 from the field that is just too low that is also something that doesn't necessarily feel like an aberration this season we've seen a lot of them and to be, you know, when you look at the stat sheet too, you might look at it was okay, look, um, you know, he just came off of the back injury. He missed some time. I, did he look 100% to me? Probably not. But at the same time, the, the number of times in the fourth quarter where he was wide open for three and he couldn't knock it down. And meanwhile, the other side, the Pacers are actually targeting Fred on defense, getting past him, and then getting into the lane for, for either open layups or kickouts for three, one that helped had to collapse. You know, it, it kind of is what it is, right? And when you look at the Pacers with how much guard talent they have, I mean, they're bringing in, first off, they're starting Tyrese Halliburton, who should be an all-star this year. And he had a lot of turnovers this game. I thought the Raptors really played him aggressively at certain times and was able to force him into some misses. But that guy has some really good vision, man. Uh, he threw like a, like over the shoulder, looking at his own basket, but whipping it in transition to beat the trap perfectly in <laughs> step for his big man rolling down the lane for a dunk uh, late in the game, like literally the last minute there. Like stuff like that, that's just absurd. Uh, and, and that's almost like a common pass to Tyrese. That's how good of a passer he is. But you got him, you got Buddy Heald, who was able to score 19 points and knock down four of seven from three and shoot seven of 11 from the field and also had a number of really good driving kicks. You got Andrew Nemhard, who I thought was decent in the starting group, but the, you know, the, the Pacers are always able to close with a guy like Benedict Matterin, for example, who had 21 points in 29 minutes on nine shots off the bench, got to the free throw line 10 times for you. TJ McConnell comes off that bench for you, and he gets 15 points, and he roasted the Raptors in the first half. And actually, when the Pacers got off to a slow start, uh, it was TJ McConnell who literally single-handedly pulled them back into the game. Like, it's just a lot of guard talent, man. That's like five guards who play better than Fred Van tonight. And, and, you know, when you look at it that way, it does sort of make you wonder in terms of the, the roster construction, right? Because the, the course of the game itself, and I'll get to that in a second, but to me, it was just like um, the reason this game was so interesting was because the two teams almost looked like they're playing slightly different sports. Like the Raptors were able to get their mismatches and they had mismatches, right? Pascal had a mismatch on Aaron Neesmith, who's like another shooting guard who is sort of, I guess, relegated to playing perimeter stopper, even though I don't think he really stops too many people. He, he fights hard. But, um, you know, Pascal was able to get to his mess matches. I thought OG was missed a lot of shots in the first half that I really thought he needed to get um, in. But I thought he played better in the second half and he had some advantages there. And, of course, you know, the, the ultimate 
mismatch, uh, ironically, even though the Pacers have all these guards, they actually had the biggest player on the floor in Miles Turner. And his matchup with Scotty Barnes was super interesting to watch. I thought both guys were able to sort of contribute and, and play well in their own way. But I thought Scotty also was able to to essentially play two different games um, in, in this matchup. And it was very interesting to see that. So I'll get into that portion as well. But, you know, um, yeah, it, it just the Pacers were so fast. The, the, the pace of play is tremendous, especially when they have so many ball handlers and so many guards. They're able to play at a pace that even off of makes, the Raptors will give up shots. And some of that was just like, okay, maybe the Raptors' transition defense wasn't the best. But you, sometimes it's also like you have to really show credit when the other team is able to play transition offense that well because of the fact that they have so many guards and their their mindset is to just race, race, race. They play for each other. It's a lot of a driving kick, give it to the next guy, driving kick, give it to the next guy, open three, dribble handoff, open three, you know, uh, drives to the lane, open baskets, the dump-offs to Turner or to Jalen Smith, whoever. Their offense is just so smooth. And is this isn't a game where they even shot that three that efficiently either. Like 37% is decent, but the Raptors actually held them to only 27 attempts. And I felt like the Pacers at the start of the game were so cold from three that they just decided we're just going to go to the rim. And for a small team who don't really bring in that many wings either, they're able to get in for 15 offensive rebounds as well. So they actually beat the Raptors on the hustle game as well. Despite the fact that they're smaller, despite the fact that the Raptors' forward you know, strategy is to win a lot of extra possessions, you lose the possession battle. And ultimately, when you saw at the end of the game, who had more energy and, and, and just speed to finish out the game? It was the Pacers. And guess what? That's because they're fresh. Because the Pacers go 10 deep in this game. They lost Chris Cararte, who's another good guard for them, but he didn't have a good game here tonight. But he, he left the game with an ankle injury after OG blocked him. Um, but the Pacers are able to play 10 guys tonight. And the Raptors also play 10 guys, but the Pacers bench outplay the Raptors bench to a degree that would be embarrassing. 54 to seven is the scoring differential between the two benches. Let me say that again, 54 to seven, right? And of course that means the Raptors starters, you know, play better than the the Pacers starters. I mean, I think that was true for the first three quarters. Wasn't so much true in the fourth quarter, but it's not true in the fourth quarter because by the time the starters for the Raptors have played that many minutes and at that speed of a game, like I mentioned with the Pacers going that fast, they got nothing left. They got nothing left. When your bench can only give you eight minutes from Thad Young, four minutes from Chris Boucher, you know, bench in the second half, Precious Achua coming off of injury, 12 minutes and looking super gassed after playing just three minutes in the second quarter there. Um, Christian Coloco coming in and hustling, and, and I had no issues with how he played. But Malachi Flynn coming in for nine minutes. That, they got this nine minutes of Malachi Flynn on the floor, minus eighteen in nine minutes. And that's not to say that like okay, the plus minus stat is super telling. Like you can go to other people on on the team and look for you know that kind of lopsided results. But that minus eighteen is straight up firmly on Malachi Flynn, especially in the first half where the Pacers literally were able to drive straight at Malachi and get five straight baskets at the rim, two of those for and ones. And like four of those were drives from TJ McConnell. When you get bullied to that degree by TJ McConnell, and listen, we've seen a lot of TJ McConnell over the over the years, right? Obviously, he played for the Sixers, and then now he's played for the Pacers. This teams of the Raptors play all the time. So we get to see TJ on a regular basis. Last year, I thought the Raptors actually played TJ quite well because they used Delano in that spot, and Delano's able to use his length to contest a lot of TJ's drives because ultimately what he likes to do is drive hard at you uh, and, and, you know, force you into rotations obviously he's a pass first guard 
but he's also able to just get to the rim and, and score when it's a guy like Malachi. And, and like he was bullying him. Like he he got Malachi Flynn got bullied by TJ McConnell. You know what I mean? Like it's, come on, man. Like that's yeah. I'm not gonna make the Republican senator joke once again, but yeah, it was it was it was tough to see Malachi playing defense on that front. And so the minus 18 and nine minutes is bad. And so yes, you have to go to the starters. You have to overextend your starters. And by the end of the game, the Pacers have more legs and they're able to sort of spread out. And listen, that's not to say the Raptors weren't in this game. Like, I don't think Nick managed a bad game. Like, this is what he had to do. And he did it. And when it came down to it, I mean, look, listen, you're still ultimately in a close game. One or two possession game, you know, five, six minutes left in the game. Your starters versus their starters. It still was a chance for the Raptors to do something with that. But, you know, to me, the way I'm looking at it is, Fred Van Vliet got two wide open threes in that stretch, and you just couldn't knock those down. Meanwhile, the other end, the Pacers really were going at him. And I don't know if it's like his back got re-aggravated or something like that, because I thought he'd actually play pretty scrappy defense at certain points and force some turnovers and was looking decent. But ultimately, the wide open threes for Fred are just like the, his entire game right now. Because when you look at a, a matchup like this one, Fred didn't handle the ball that much, right? It was Scotty bringing the ball up, Scotty making decisions in the half court, Pascal making decisions in the half court, Gary making, you know, most of the scoring plays from the perimeter, OG, you know, catching shooting from three, but also getting in downhill and, and getting on the glass and stuff like that, you know, but for the most part, Fred's role in this game, aside from just bringing it up on a couple of possessions, um, offensively was just a catch and shoot from three, catch and shoot from three, right? And, you know, like, so what else can you really judge him on? Like, I, I hate to say this, right? Because like, you know, ultimately he is a guy who is trying to play this role for the team, but you need this. Like watching Fred miss a three is like watching Christian Coloco miss a layup or watching OG miss a layup. Like that, that's his shot. He needs to convert those. And twice in the fourth quarter when he was left wide open, he missed it. And the first time he got left open for three, he missed it because Pascal drove it, got into the paint, whipped it back out to Fred the top for three, right? A classic play that we've seen out of the Raptors for, I don't even know, like four or five years now? Like, they've had that play going for a long time. And he misses the three. You know, the Pacers go the other way, they score, right? And then the Raptors call timeout, they drop a play, kind of the same deal. Pascal goes downhill, whips it to Fred at the top of the floor. And this time, the Pacers are smart. Um you know, Benedict Matherin fakes like he is going to go in to help, but then he stays on the perimeter, picks off the pass from Pascal, goes in the other way, and Fred ultimately has to take the hard foul on, on Matherin, which is the right thing to do in that situation. But it's stuff like that where, you know, offensively, it, it's just you, – you just needed more. You really needed more. And that's not necessarily fair to say because, like, you know, again, the problem tonight for me was the bench. The bench giving you that little and being actively bad really caused the starters to run out of gas – but ultimately, like, these are shots that he really needs to be making. And if he's not making these shots, then you have to really evaluate in terms of, like, first off, okay, so Fred and Gary, right, both heading into free agency, right? And when you were thinking about last season, my choice would have been to re-sign both of them, right? Um, but last season, if you had to pick one, you probably pick Fred, obviously because of the fact that he made All-Star, right? And Gary kind of tailed off towards the end of the year in the playoffs. This year, at one point, it was looking like neither of them. When Gary got benched, then Fred wasn't playing well. But now, when you're looking at it, Gary's really gotten into a rhythm. Gary has played in the two-man game with Pascal great, right? That play I just described where Pascal drives and then kicks it out, right, to, to, to somebody at the top of the floor. Him and Gary have been working on that shot, and they look great at it, right? These days, they look better at it than Fred, which makes no sense to me when Fred and Pascal literally have played their entire careers together now. 
Uh, and we're talking about every single level playoffs, preseason, summer league, G league, right? Like they've, you know, finals, right? They, they played so much of that together, but right now it looks better with Gary at the top of the floor right now. And, you know, Gary obviously is on a heater. He's able to score like this, right? Um, last season, we saw Gary go on a stretch where he went six straight games for 30 plus right now. We're seeing him going for two straight games with 30 plus now. Right. And so, We'll see if he keeps it going, but he looks really aggressive. He's hunting for a shot. He's playing great. He's even making the extra pass a couple of times, and his stat line's not even as empty as we've seen this. But, man, um, you know, it, it's, you know, that element is there for you. And listen, Pascal just needs kind of one of those guys to play with, right? Because he's so good and so quick now at getting downhill um, that he's either going to be covered in single coverage, which he's going to beat his man and then stretch to the basket and finish at the, at the rim or get fouled, or he's going to draw the two defenders to him, sometimes even three defenders to him, and he's going to whip it out for three. Like There's a play in the second uh, half where the Pacers, at the end of the third quarter, I believe, just started outright hard doubling Pascal at the top of the floor. Like, remember the Raptors, the way they used to play James Harden or the way they used to play Luka, for example? They used to just like literally sprint out two guys 35 feet out and just force him to give up the ball, right? And they were doing that to Pascal, not because Pascal's a threat from, you know, 35 feet or whatever although he didn't nail a running three-point shot to end the uh, first half which uh, ultimately was was ruled off he was like a fraction late but you know it's not because he's a threat there because they're just trying to get him get him to get rid of the ball and the first time pascal did that he passed out of the double team uh and then they swung swung into the corner for precious achua and he he like really short with the jumper um i mean like listen precious hasn't played in like months so i'm not surprised that he looked rusty tonight um but the next play down, Pascal, having realized what the Pacers wanted to do, he attacked the double instead of um, just passing out of the double. And, in fact, he went quickly. So before the double team would come to him, because it's a long way to, to help from your 35 feet out, Pascal drove quickly, got around the double team, got into the heart of the paint, drew like three or four defenders with him, and then whipped it out to Gary at the top for three. So they got that top-of-the-floor game working really well, right? That Suns game we saw, and then this game we saw. Both games, Pascal and Gary were your leading scorers, and they looked awesome doing it. And then I thought the other element of this game that was really cool to watch was Scotty Barnes. Now, the first, it was evident from the start of the game how the Pacers wanted to play him because Scotty is your de facto center in this group, right? Which, by the way, the Raptors have now returned to their starting lineup that they originally started with, which is Fred, Gary, Scotty, Pascal, OG. And in this role, Scotty is your center. But of course, Scotty does not functionally play like a center, right? Obviously, he's, he's a little bit more, well, he's a lot more skilled than your average center. But at the start of the game, what was very clear was how the Pacers wanted to play it. The Pacers, and I'm talking about Scotty at the with the ball at the three-point line, okay? And obviously, he's not looking to be aggressive in the three-point line, but he's shooting and he's handling the three-point line. Miles Turner, who's the opposing center guarding Scotty Barnes, is so far in the paint, he should be called for three-second violations. He's standing at the charge circle. When Scotty Barnes has the ball at the three-point line, that's how much they wanted to play drop. Now, it was almost like a one-man zone where Turner would kind of ignore Scotty and then th- just keep him around the basket so that he can contest against Pascal. Now, I didn't think he actually did a great job of hard doubling Pascal or anything like that. And also, you know, when you play that strategy, you're really only able to contest effectively at the rim. And it felt like Pascal was able to score even in the mid-range and stuff like that or draw fouls or play one-on-one in the face-up. So, you know, it wasn't like the best way for the Pacers to guard it. But ultimately... That was the message that we're sending to Scotty Barnes. We don't respect you at all. Like, we're literally going to treat you like Ben Simmons, okay? And we're going to see what you do with it. Now, in the first half, I thought Scotty did a really good job 
of not forcing his offense, right? Maybe one time he came out and it took a mid-range jumper or whatever, or one time he tried to drive into Turner, didn't really work out. doesn't really matter, though, because what he was doing was, okay, that's what you want to do. That's fine, right? So because he's, his man has dropped so far back, what that does is now when Scotty has the ball and he's initiating a triple handoff or he's pitching the ball and then going to screen for the ball, it creates a two-on-one scenario because Scotty's defender is not in the play. He's just looking to protect the basket, which means it's a two-on-one on the perimeter each and every single time. And so when Gary came over for the dribble handouts, getting the mid-range, when Fred Lee came over, you know, was able to get into the mid-range, Pascal Siakam came over, was able to get into the mid-range. Ideally, you want to see more of those as threes instead of mid-range, but ultimately, like, they were able, the Raptors were able to effectively attack that space. Uh, and it was great to see. And of course, when Scotty got them the rebound, when which happens a lot when he's at center, he's able to push, lead the break, and then he's able to find Gary for three. He's able to find Fred for three. Like there's stuff like that where it was a good thing in terms of just like how he was attacking it. Even though Scotty himself wasn't scoring, he was getting screen assists and also actual assists, right? And that's one way to attack that space. Now, the second half, what we saw, and this is honestly a bit of a pattern with Scotty, where in the first half he kind of feels out the game, in the second half he starts to really go at it. And we saw, especially in the fourth quarter, Scotty's like, Look, you're gonna play that far off of me. The other way to attack this space is that gap that you're leaving between me and you, it's now a it's now a launching pad. I'm gonna run full speed and put my shoulder into Miles Turner, neutralize the shot blocker, and I'm gonna challenge him. And Scotty scored on Turner quite a few times in this game, right? And, and all pretty much all exclusive in the fourth quarter. And to me, that's the other thing where with Scotty, where he has that other element, right? Where if you want to do this to him, he has that ability to finish. He's strong. He's really, really strong. We saw last season before the Pacers traded uh, DeMontis Sabonis for Ty- Tyrese Halliburton, which is actually one of the more mutually beneficial trades I can remember in recent history. Um, but yeah, like you had a situation there where. Um, Scotty had to drive and ultimately tried to score over Turner or Sabonis, and he did a great job of it. I mean, the Raptors played the Pacers really well last season, right? And and Scotty was a big, big reason for that because he went at these seven footers, guys who are taller than him, and he's able to score. Even in the fourth quarter, that was a lot of the Raptors offense with Scotty Barnes attacking. And so there was two ways to attack that kind of strategy with the big gap left behind. First was Scotty trying to be more of a distributor. Second half was him being more of a score in addition to being a distributor and i love seeing it and i think if your idea is to sort of grow him in this role essentially as a small ball center um yeah that's one of the ways he can be really effective now I, you also see scenarios where you do want to see him shoot because unlike in a ben simmons scenario scotty ain't ben simmons scotty will shoot the ball and even though he's not a great shooter even though he's obviously much better at the rim even though teams probably are somewhat justified to play in that kind of style of defense he can still attack it and break it with the third way, which is to shoot it. And there was one play where Gary was able to drive, kick, swing it out to Scotty. Scotty was able to uh, get his feet behind the three-point line with a small step back, and he was able to knock in the three. And on the way back, um, and shouts to the, the YouTube account, Raptors Moments for this one, but you know he caught on the video that Gary, on the way back on the play, yelled at Scotty and just said, yo, shoot it. Right. Because you know what? There is that opportunity for him to sort of attack there. He didn't really take that route so much tonight. But to be honest, I had no issues with the way he sort of played. And also defensively, you know, it's it's not super, super um it, it's it's not super easy to guard the Pacers because they're constantly 
attacking, switching, attacking, switching, and you got to contest to the rim. And you got to get out to the three point line. And these guys are really good passers too. Like the Pacers somehow turned Buddy Heald into a great passer, which to me, I'm just like Buddy used to just be the guy. He used to be like a Gary type. You know what I mean? Right, where he's just not necessarily focused on the pass so much. But Buddy's so much. Um, he's in so much space in this in this offense, and he's such a threat to shoot that uh, he's able to attack closeouts, get downhill, makes him look quicker than he is because he's not that explosive an athlete. And then when he puts pressure on the rim, you always got to help. You always got to help everybody at the rim. So the kickouts are there. And, man, they, they were hard to play. And there's a reason why the Pacers are way above the Raptors in the standings because they just look straight up better than the Raptors, especially when you look at the depth on the team. Maybe when you take the top five for the Raptors and the top five for the Pacers and say, you know, you guys played a – you know, 11 or something like that. I guess 11 would be way too few. Like, let's say, like, you just play one quarter. I honestly probably would pick the Raptors in that matchup. But when you've had to play the full four quarters and how much depth they're bringing in, you know, that's where, you know, to me, it's it, it was really impressive watching the Pacers. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's, a, it's one of those up and down games, I'd say. I, I think the Raptors really were able to get their offense flowing in the first quarter, just like they were in the third quarter as well. And that's no surprise to me. It was just the starters played really well. Pascal was able to generate advantages, another close triple-double game for him. I mean, like, this is just the season averages, 26-7-7 and seven for Pascal. is like what you normally expect. You probably would have wanted a, a stronger finish from him. But to be honest, like, the Pacers were so heavily sending two guys at him that the right play was to sort of swing it around. And if Fred makes his two wide open threes, all of a sudden you look at it as like, that's exactly how you counter that defense. But listen, if you can't knock that down, then ultimately, you know, the the Pacers aren't going to respect you. And the Raptors, like they hit a lot of threes early in this game. I think they might've had 10 threes by halftime, but it's just, it's just not so much in the second half. There really just wasn't enough production. And, Again, I, I don't want to pin it on any guy, but when your bench is that bad, right? And maybe the bench is skating criticism here because, just because we can just say, well, it's the bench, right? It's not like I'm blaming one guy. I'm blaming the bench. Um, and the, the bench being outscored 54 to 7 is objective with the biggest problem. But when that happens, you need all of your starting five to be excellent. And this year, either the starting five hasn't been together, either they haven't been healthy, whatever. But man, just I, I needed to see more from Fred, especially on both ends of the floor. I mean, defensively too, he had a couple of plays where he stripped the ball, but just down the stretch, the Pacers were just going at him, man. And, and they had Fred guarding Tyrese Halliburton. And Fred got Tyrese a couple of times, but ultimately Tyrese was just able to get past him. The handle, the quickness, the, the you know, obviously he had a really deep catch and shoot three, which I think Fred was actually in position to contest, but he's just smaller. Like, like it's pretty much like Tyrese is like six, six, right. With, with long arms. And he he's, even though he's got a set foot jumper, he's still able to see over the top of Fred, even when he closes out. Right. So stuff like that, where size wise, you just weren't able to see enough from your leader. And, you know, ultimately that's where you got to ask yourself some questions, right? Like, what are you supposed to do right now? The front office probably really, really wondering what they're supposed to do because, you know, you've you reduced his role, right? There's no doubt Fred's role was reduced in this game. He did not have the ball that much. It was Scotty, it was Pascal, it was other guys. Uh, he didn't shoot the ball that much, and most of those were wide open catch and shoot threes, but you just needed him to knock down a lot more of these. And last year he was like damn near fifty percent on catch and shoot threes. And this year it's down to like low thirties. And that's a huge difference when that's like the majority of his game. Because there's other things that he does, but ultimately you know, the defense really boils down to sort of just how much he can strip the ball. And that really depends on how the refs want to call the game. And the refs really called a ton of fouls, like 27 fouls on the Raptors, 19 for the Pacers. You know, it was a physical game going both ways, but the Raptors make a lot of aggressive plays on the ball. And especially with the Pacers having so many good ball handlers, 
a lot of those plays were called as fouls, right? So, you know, we had like two or three plays where Fred stripped it. And to be honest, it could have been a no call, whatever. We've seen it be no calls in the past, but it was instead called for a foul. And so, you know, that defensive impact wasn't so much there because that kind of hinges on how the game wants to be officiated. But the other elements just aren't there for him either. And that's where, to me, it felt like the Raptors were one guy short. Like if Precious Achua, who looked okay coming off of injury, you know, he had three blocks, which is nice to see. There's one play where you got uh, Halliburton on an ISO uh, and Halliburton tried to shake him, a couple of tricks on the perimeter, and then ultimately drove to the basket. And Precious stuck with him the whole time, quick feet, and blocked him at the rim. This is what we're talking about an all-star player going one-on-one against the center. And he has a quickness of foot speed, even though he literally just missed two months with an ankle injury. Right. And and so that's where it's like special for him. But obviously there's a lot of rest. He missed a corner three pretty badly. Um, you know, he, um, you know, just wasn't as, you know, able to impact the glass as he did 12 minutes tonight, not a single rebound. Right. And, and normally you'd see precious do a much better job on the glass, like 12 minutes for precious. He probably give you six, seven rebounds. Right. And so the feel of the game probably needs to come back, which is not a surprise. But when I'm looking at um, the Raptors, somebody's got to be that fifth guy for you on a night like this. And if it wasn't going to be Fred, it probably should have been precious. But again, both these guys are dealing with injuries right now. Like I'm sure Fred's back is not feeling 100 percent. That is not an excuse for him. I'm just saying the reality of it. And then for precious Achua, he can't play more than 12 minutes in this game because he still needs to get his conditioning. Like literally (laughs) there's a there's a there's a video of him just on the bench after playing like three and a half minutes and he was sucking air. Right. So, you know, it, it's, it's tough, but listen, there, there, there's some positives in the sense that like, I like the way Scotty played. I like the fact that if he's going to play center, he's probably going to see a lot more of these sort of Ben Simmons style defenses. And I already feel like he's shown enough aggression to sort of play through that. And if he just really sticks to this role and maintains it, he could be really productive. Like the fact that he had 23, eight and eight tonight with two blocks on eight of 14 shooting 40 minutes, got to the free throw line eight times. Those are great marks all across the board. In fact, that's almost better than anyone else really did for the team. Now, some of that came a little bit late with the layups, but ultimately I'm not, I don't care about that. I, I really like the way Scotty played. Um, so, you know, there are positives and I do believe that this starting five is the best starting five. In fact, it feels like very much the Raptors tried some stuff at the start of the season. They said, Scotty, can you be our point guard? Scotty wasn't really able to win in that point guard role. But now they're putting him back at center. He's much more involved. He has more of these sort of gaps to attack, and he's really taking these chances. He's parlaying those advantages, whether that's on the glass, whether that's defensively with the switching, whether that's the uh, ability to catch on the roll and finish there, whether that's the, um, you know, just how involved generally he is on both ends of the floor. He's playing much better. And so this is the group that kind of gets you there. And listen, this group could have worked. Like, listen, if Fred makes some threes in this game and, and the bench gives you just – I mean, if the bench just honestly wasn't as bad as it was, because they got straight up outplayed. Like, oh, Shea Brissett came off the bench and worked these guys. Jalen Smith came off the bench and worked these guys. Seven offensive rebounds for Jalen Smith, by the way. Uh, TJ McConnell comes off the bench and just works these guys literally nonstop for just driving layups. They made this guy look like LeBron out there. Um, Benedict Matherin comes off the bench and works these guys. Like, you know, if if just the, the bench did something else, like the Raptors could very well have won this game. We could be here talking about all the positives. Oh, Gary's turning it around and Scotty's turning it around and Pascal still Pascal and OG had a pretty good game, even though he had a slow first half. But we're not. And we're back in the sort of this like more of a pessimistic space about the Raptors, not necessarily seeing the positives. And this is what happens. Like to me, when, I, when I'm looking at the Raptors recent play, I, I do feel like they've they've um 
they've like at least steadied themselves right um and, and again this is not like me trying to sort of make any sort of excuses for the raptors i think for me it's just like um the number of games where the raptors are like actually competitive and stable it's it's starting to get back into you know what you would normally expect like okay so they didn't compete against the clippers and the grizzlies but they competed against the Cavs, they competed against the knicks they got those two wins they competed against the sixers they should have won that game but they lost right uh they competed tonight they just didn't have enough to beat the pacers you gotta tip your hat to them they competed against the suns they were able to win that game so like for me that's like a two-week stretch there where i'm just like okay at least the team looks better and more like themselves but there are just other things that i think they can do better and i think you know, maybe my last takeaway before I hand out the three stars is just like the transition defense, no matter what, just needs to be a lot better. Because a lot of these games when I'm watching it, you know, the Grizzlies game, the biggest issue for me was just how badly the Raptors were in guarding and transition. Right. And that's the number one thing. That's stuff on the table that you just cannot. It's, it's a non-negotiable. Like you either play transition defense and keep yourself in the game or you don't. And the number of times the Pacers were able to juice up their already really good offense with just a ton of transition looks, even after the Raptors made baskets, especially when the Raptors missed baskets in the second half, it was a guaranteed bucket the other way. But even when the Raptors made baskets, they still weren't able to get back in transition. And that's for me where it's disappointing. Like that's something within your own control. And, you know, you could cite fatigue. I'm sure they were tired. Like the Pacers played really well, but God, like you, you doesn't matter. There's just a non-negotiable is a non-negotiable transition defense, non-negotiable with the team. So, you know, uh, there's some positives, but ultimately they lose again. And um, yeah, if, if, if you want to be frustrated, I totally get it. But for me, I'm trying to like, at least keep it a little bit balanced. And to me that there were good signs in this game, even though they lost. So in terms of your three stars, my first star is going to go, honestly, I'm going to give it to Scotty, man. I, I think just him being able to, um, find like a way to play against this right because you know i'm sure he's seen it at other levels before in his life especially as him playing point guard i'm sure teams have sort of sagged off of him but i think he just showed like two or three ways that he really can beat that style of defense and i and i enjoyed it the first half he was a really good distributor i really liked watching that second half he was he was a really good distributor and he was a really good scorer um and yeah, you know, I think his game is stabilizing. I think playing him at center has really helped. I think he's really committed to that role as well. He's showing great hustle and effort out there. And yeah, I'm liking it. So 23 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, two blocks, eight, uh, 40 minutes, eight of 14 from the field, knocked down a three, six, of eight from the free throw line, was aggressive, really into the game, plus 16 in 40 minutes. I don't know how you lose the game. So that means the Raptors, hold on. So Scotty Barnes playing 40 minutes and being a plus 16 in a game where the Raptors lose by eight means that in the eight minutes that Scotty Barnes set, the Raptors lost the game by 24 points? Wow. <laughs> okay, wow. Okay, uh, your second star is going to go to Gary Trent. Uh, I really love, the again, his aggression. This is a style of game that he can play on a more regular basis, especially when he has Pascal around, when these other guys sort of create that initial advantage. Because all, all Gary ultimately needs is just that initial advantage, whether that's the the his defender pulling off a little bit so he can catch a shoot for three whether that's him attacking whether him driving whether that's in transition he's just such a good finisher in this but like honestly gary's game perfect for the pacers actually you know and yeah i mean 32 points five rebounds three assists two steals uh 11 of 18 from the field five of 10 from three obviously he's hot but i think it's not even just that he's just so aggressive and looking for the right shots on offense and I, I'm I'm loving the way he's been playing the last two games. Obviously, that's easy to say when he scored 30 plus both games, but it's just the approach is really nice. The two man game with Pascal is really nice, and then defensively, he's giving you something. Like it, it's it wasn't his fault tonight. Like I would just say that much. It wasn't his fault. At the end of the game, when the Pacers were trying to attack somebody, they weren't trying to attack Gary. That's all I'm going to say. 
And then your your third star, give it to Pascal. 26-7-7 for him. Three turnovers, which some of those are in the fourth quarter. You know, whatever. But yeah, 9 of 17 from the field. Constantly seeing double teams, triple teams. Like the Pacers' whole strategy with Turner sitting back off of Scotty is just solely because of Pascal. And he was still able to be effective. 6-7 from the field, or from the free throw line. Knocked down two threes as well, which is nice to see. I think it's always nice to see Pascal contribute in that area. To be honest, it should be 3 of 5 because he also nailed a, a, a full court runner. Uh, but it was just literally like 0.1 seconds late. So it was erased. But yeah, uh, I mean, I, I I never question Pascal these days. Like, I think his effort is strong. The only thing for me is just like, can you reach a little bit less on defense? Like, I, I understand pressuring the ball, but I just I just do think that you, when you watch through his fouls, so many of them are reaching fouls, and a lot of those are unnecessary because it's not like Pascal is going to rack up tons of steals the way, you know, other guys in the league can. But ultimately, like a really good game for Pascal. And, you know, it just... Yeah, other guys needed to do more. I don't know how many times I've had to say that this season, but it's a little heartbreaking. Uh, your Gerald Henderson award winner, take your pick. Honestly, take your pick. Uh, I would want to give it to Benedict Matherin because he was awesome in this one, but I have to give it to TJ McConnell, man. The way this man was roasting Malachi, I mean, honestly, like, I, I just, I just, I, it's just impressive. I guess it's just impressive because all he's really looking to do is bully ball you going downhill uh, and catch you sleeping once in a while. And then otherwise, he's just going to kick out for three. Like, He's he's just a really smart, pesky point guard. He's super competitive. You know, the Pacers brought him in um, late into the game as well just to sort of settle the thing in, uh, and he was able to catch Gary on a back cut. Um, he was able to, you know, drive by Fred as well for a layup. So it wasn't only Malachi, but for a stretch there, my goodness, he was taking this guy to school. So, yeah, 15 points, two, assi- uh, two rebounds, three assists. I, his TJ McConnell's impact on this game was just uh, outstanding. But you could have picked a lot of guys. Jalen Smith could have got this Gerald Henderson Award with 11 points and 11 rebounds, including seven offensive rebounds. By the way, he was a free agent. Um, the Suns cut him for, for, for some strange reason. Even though he was a lottery pick, he got cut. He was a free agent, and the Pacers signed him. Right? Smart move by the Pacers. He would be the Raptors' best bench guy. And then, yeah, Benedict Matherin also had a great game, you know, plus 21 and 27 minutes. But, yeah, honestly, you know, it, the TJ McConnell drives to the basket – just felt like kicks to the chest. And uh, yeah, a lot of these Raptors games these days do feel like kicks to the chest, but we move. You know, the Raptors are on a homestand here. Uh, to me, they're playing more stable basketball. They just obviously got to get more results. So it's not as uh, concerning, but all, at the same time, like th- the the whole point about the, you know, let's look on the positives. Of that. I, I get when people are frustrated with that because it's past time for that. Right now, they just need results. Night after night, tonight, they didn't get the result done. So that does it for the Reacting Podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please continue to rate, review, subscribe to the show. Uh, the Raptor Show uh, returns both on TV and on radio and on YouTube and on the podcast feed. So we'll be back in studio tomorrow, Tuesday, to talk to Blake Murphy. Go had another great guest lined up for you over the week. So check that out. And uh, yeah, but in this one, Raptors couldn't get the the, the job done and uh, you know I'll be back to recap the next game thanks a lot for listening